disappointed by the friends that I hold dear. I refuse to be defeated by the ghost of doubt and fear. I could think about my weakness. The lady singing in the video goes by the name of Vestal Goodman. I'm sure many of you know her if you're a fan of Southern Gospel. Uh, she's no longer with us. She's already gone home to be with the Lord. Her and her husband both, they uh, sang in a group for many, many years called the Happy Goodmans. And when I hear her sing, I start talk, talk or thinking about how fast I speak. You know, I tell you that I speak fast because it's nervousness, but a lot of times I think that it's because I have a Pentecostal spirit means I get excited. I'm excited about church. I'm excited about God and, and what God does in our lives and the changes 
that he makes in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. I shared a story with Willene this week, and I don't know if it's true the way it's told or if it's just folklore that's been handed down through the family, but, but it's a story about conversion. I had an aunt that lived in Mulberry, Georgia, which was right outside of Buford. And in the early days of her marriage, she would go to Mulberry Baptist Church, a little small one-room country church, old white building that set up on blocks. And every Sunday, the story goes that she would go to the altar and pray for her husband because he was an alcoholic. Now, he wasn't a mean person, and he wasn't an irresponsible person, but, but he had a drinking issue, and he didn't know Christ. And they say for years she went down to that altar to pray. And one day she went down to pray, and she couldn't carry the load anymore. And they say that she, she stood up and she, she exited the church out the side door that, that ran out to the cemetery, and she went out to the tree line where she had broke down crying. And they say that while she was there, a preacher or a deacon one came out and said, Bert, I just want you to know that when you exited that side door, your husband came in that front door and he received Christ into his life. And a wonderful change came across that man. And from that day forward, he never took another drop of alcohol. And we all have those stories where God made some kind of change in our lives. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. You see, Uncle Ralph got a new beginning and started over. So our passage of Scripture today is only one verse, and it comes from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. But it speaks truth about what Christ does in our life. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, as we come before you today, I thank you for this opportunity to gather in here and to, to speak your word. And Father, I just ask that you be with me today. Give me guidance and words of hope and inspiration. Father God, remove from me today any idea or concept that would be of my own. Empty me and send your spirit to fill me, that I may be a vessel to be used by you for the edification of your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I hear Vestal Goodman sing all the time. I love to hear her sing, and, and she gets the Pentecostal juices flowing, so I may start talking fast today. If I do, I probably won't stop. I think of the days of my sister preaching uh, she went to a little Pentecostal church over in Swanee. We were Methodists. My mom and dad were hardcore Methodists, and, and they couldn't believe that their daughter was becoming a Pentecostal. But I would go over to that little Pentecostal church sometimes and hear her and Brother Hansard, the senior pastor there, preach. 
and they would be on fire for God. And it's like no matter what they experienced in life, nothing got them down. Not death, not sickness, not broken bodies, not financial problems, because they experienced God in a new and living way, a way that many people have never experienced Him before. And I think it's because we won't allow God to be experienced in our lives that way. You see, we talk about Christ doing a new thing in our lives, and we always talk about those, those hard and heavy habits that we carry when we first come to Christ. Some people are delivered from alcoholism. Some people are delivered from drug addictions. Some people develop a, a brand new personality. Some of the other gospel sing, singer, singers sing about a man who, who was a horrible father, cruel to his children, and cruel to his wife. And after experiencing Christ, he came home and found his son hiding behind the door. He said, come here, son. You don't have to worry because I'm not that man anymore. Those are the changes that God makes in our life. He takes what was old and, and he casts it to the side and it begins a new creation in all of his children when we receive the Holy Spirit. But something happens as, as life goes on, we, we lose that sense of newness. As we develop patterns in our lifestyle and then those patterns become comfortable. And then something in life happens and we don't really know how to respond to it. And it's not just in our personal lives, but, but in the world around us, in our schools and in our communities. And sometimes in our marriages and in our relationship with our kids. And sometimes the way our future looks, or our hopes and our dreams. And when we start to experience those things, I think that, that if we remember that passage of Scripture that says that, that all things old have passed away, and behold, all things are new, then, then we can rejuvenate ourselves and face those new challenges that, that life brings us. See, becoming something new is not something that happens once in our life. It's an ongoing process of God working in our lives to remove those old ideas and old concepts of ways that were inconsistent with holy living and replace them with something new. And one of those things that, that I think God wants to replace in our lives or take the place in our lives of is fear. The fear is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Actually, fear, I believe, is an emotion that, that God gave us to help protect ourselves, to, to warn us of when danger is just around the corner, to help keep us safe, to help us in making decisions for ourselves and for those around us. But unrestrained fear can be unhealthy. It can keep us at bay and stop us from experiencing God and all of His blessings. You see, unrestrained fear doesn't look to the cross for victory. And unrestrained fear doesn't look to the future with hope. Unrestrained fear looks to all the circumstances around us and tells us of everything that we can't accomplish and tells us everything that we cannot do. 
That is not God's intent for fear. Fear, just like everything else, has to be controlled. It's a choice. It's the way that we choose to respond to what we feel inside. Like sometimes I tell you that, that I talk really fast. But then I choose to slow down and speak more slowly. Or sometimes when, when I feel anger, though anger in and, of, in and of itself is not sinful, unrestrained anger can become very sinful and harmful for the, to those around me and to myself. But I choose how I respond to it. I stop and, and I examine myself, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, why I'm thinking, why I'm feeling, and what's provoking all those emotions. And I choose to have power over those emotions instead of those emotions having power over myself. And that's how we have to treat fear. We cannot let it control us. And we cannot let it stop us from, from moving forward in life. And we cannot let it stop it stop us from experiencing all that God has for us in our lives. And it will if we let it. But if we as a people, as individuals, choose this day how we're going to experience God, that, it, that we're going to let go of the old experiences that have brought negative connotations to life, and choose to experience life in a newness that we overcome unrestrained fear and move forward in our life. I kind of think of it like this. When, when Jesus had just finished feeding the multitude, he had just heard that, that John the Baptist had lost his life and he was wanting some time to himself. <coughs> So when the crowd was dismissed, he sent his disciples on ahead of him, and he went to the mountain to pray. And as night fell, and he saw that his disciples had already entered the boat and were already halfway across the sea. And that in and of itself isn't enough to, to provoke fear. But we interject that a storm had arisen at the time that they were in that boat. That at the time that, that they were out in the middle of the sea, away from any type of security, away from dry land, but being tossed and turned by forces they couldn't control. Fear struck their hearts and their minds. And I think Jesus knew that when, when he looked down from the mountain and he saw that little boat out in the middle of the sea because at that point he left and went to their aid. Now the amazing thing here is that, is that when Jesus made it to the water, he didn't get into a boat and, and roll himself out to where the disciples were. But instead, he showed us and his disciples, the authority that he has over fear and all conditions. Instead of getting in a boat and rowing himself out to those disciples, 
He put one foot in front of the other, walked into the water, and then walked on the water as he approached his loved ones. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I go to put my foot on water, I tend to fall through to the bottom of it. But Christ has authority over all things under heaven and on the earth. And I think that's what he wants us to know today. Is that the fear that we experience because of every time we turn on the TV, something negative is being thrown at us. Something is telling us the world is or anything. I think Jesus wants to say that, that it's time to take that fear and cast it out, make it an old thing, and bring a new by how awful it is. Start thinking about how good it is. Just the other day, just yesterday, Rebecca had her fresh flat tire. And while we were out there struggling with changing the tire because the lug nuts or the, the little pry bar that you take the lug nuts off with didn't exactly fit, two people, two total strangers, one of which you would, as to offering help, came over to offer assistance. And that is the good news. That is the thing that, that we think of to help cast away fear. That there are people out in our community who want to do good for us and by us and with us. They help us cast away the, the negative thoughts and the negative ideas of what society is and help show us how good people really are and how safe our community really is. But many times when we see someone new or different coming into our lives, or we see a different image of, of what tomorrow might be, we begin to experience that fear. I could only imagine myself on that boat with the disciples that night. They've already walked with Jesus and they saw him heal the lame and, and restore, restore sight to the blind. They were there when he said, give me those few loaves of bread and those few fish and watched as they fed 5,000. And I know that if I was sitting in that boat with them, with the winds blowing and the waves crashing and, and the boat rocking side by side, even after experiencing firsthand, I would still be questioning and thinking, where is my help? Where does it come from? Now think about that song we just heard when Vestal Goodman talks about looking up to the mountain. You see, those storms in our lives and the way that we perceive society and perceive one another and the impossibility of the things that we want to achieve in our lives 
those things become our mountains. And there's two things about those mountains that we can say or that we can do. We can say that this this mountain is in my way and I can't do anything because of it. And I say that, that I can't accomplish the things in life that I want to because the mountain won't move for me. Or I say that life will never change because circumstances are stacked against me. Or we can look at that mountain like Vestal was talking about and said that, that when I look to the mountain, I see that my help is coming from God, that, that she recognizes something unique about her experience with that mountain, that it's not an obstacle to get in my way, that it's not an obstacle to keep me from achieving what I want to achieve. But that mountain that sometimes, yes, God puts in front of us is there to help us look to Him, to take our eyes off of our own ability, or how I really like to put it, our own inability, and turn it back to the One who can do all things. You see, when we take our circumstances and we look at them and fear starts welling up inside of us, we automatically start saying how we can't and how it won't. But when we look to our God who says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then we know that He can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And at that point, I don't mean change my circumstance, but change the way I perceive and respond to my circumstances. See, when Paul said that, he wasn't saying I could do what I want to, be what I want to. He said I could be content in all circumstances. And when we learn to be content, we learn to cast fear to the side. And I think those disciples in that boat, I think they wanted to look up to that mountain And I think they wanted to to see God Almighty with His holy hand reaching down to help. To move them past their fears and to move them into a place of victory. They experienced, I think, much like what we experience when God comes into that picture. You see, the disciples were, were over here being battered by the storm, and, and here comes Jesus who saw the help that they needed and knew that he had the authority to give that help. And he walked out onto that water. And instead of saying, look, God Almighty is here to help. God Almighty is here to rescue. God Almighty is here to save. They say, look, it's a ghost, and become even more fearful than they were to start with. And I think that that's what I do sometimes, that that when I see the answer that God puts before me, I look at the answer and I still don't believe sometimes that it can be possible. Then when God says, yes, there is a way, I'm going to open that door for you, I'm going to make that way, or I'm going to help you face that impossible task with possibility, we still step back. And say, no, we can't. I think that's human nature. And I don't think that says poorly of anyone. I think it just describes who we are 
with the absence of God. But it was Peter, of all the disciples, who cried out. And Christ said these words. Peter heard these words. I have heard these words. And I know you have heard these words in your life. Fear not, but be of good cheer. For it is I, Christ, who have come to rescue and to save. And even after hearing those words, Peter still questioned. He basically said, Prove to me that you are who you say you are. He said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And in a sense, I think that's what I do. That when I hear that answer and I ask for confirmation, God, is this really you? Is this you presenting the opportunity? Is this you presenting the path? After I've heard the Spirit's call. Now here's what gets me, and it may not get you, but it gets me. Is When I heard the Spirit's call to salvation, I trusted that call, I trusted that voice with my soul. Then why do I question when I hear that same Spirit call to direct my life? Why do I have to continue to ask for confirmation for the voice of the one that I know But Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And that amazing thing happened. I picture it in my mind as the, the boat is rocking side by side and back and forth and, and the rains are coming down and the, and the gusts of wind are blowing his hair. That as he makes his way to the side, he sits on the rail and cautiously swings one leg over and then the other because we're not going to do anything without consideration. And I see him as he puts that foot on the water and yeah, maybe it sinks just a little bit just enough to cover the toes. Just enough to remind him that it's not solid ground below. But by faith, he brings the other leg forward and his feet together touch the water. And then like Christ himself, he stands and begins to walk. The impossible acts that are performed before our eyes and the impossible acts that, that are performed in our lives daily. And even when we recognize them, we can only go so far. And Peter shows us that. Because see, Peter started walking on that water that day. 
He didn't have a flotation device. There was no glass under his feet. There was no one holding him up. Peter was standing on water. Peter should have been sinking to the depths of the sea, but instead he was standing. And not only was he standing, but he began walking one foot in front of the other, walking toward his Savior. And that's what we do. And don't we celebrate that? That when God calls us, when God opens up that door, or God presents that opportunity, that we walk through it, testing the waters to make sure first that it is God that's calling us. And then we walk out with confidence because we not only heard his voice, but we see the evidence of his presence. Those things that that are impossible, we're doing. Those things that seem to be unreal are happening. Did you know that those things are happening here today in our church? And let me explain. This past week, I, I had a meeting with five of the pastors in our church or in our community, some much larger than us, some the contemporary churches. And as we reported about our return to our churches, they were reporting 20 and 30 percent of their population returning. And I sat there and I listened to each and every one. And I smiled. And then when it came my time to speak, I said, we have 50% plus. And that is a miracle in and of itself. If we look at society, society, I can't even get my words right. If we look at society today with the amount of fear that is out there, because of things happening in our world. Someone decided that it's time that we're going to stand up. Someone decided that it is time to face these problems with the absence of fear. Not without the absence of wisdom, but with the absence of fear. That we're going to take that fear and those emotions and we're going to hear God's call and we're going to move forward into wherever it is and whatever it is that God is calling us to do. While the rest of the world sits still. That is a miracle in and of itself. And it says something about your faith in God and your integrity and your character and your unwillingness to quit. And it says that you are a witness to the dying around you. But we can't do like Peter did, though we will, because we're only human whether it's in our church life or our personal life. When we heard God call to to move in our lives and we step out on that water, one of two things can happen. One, we can become comfortable with our situation and take our eyes off Jesus. 
In other words, we can be confident in our ability to perform the miracles, in our ability to perform the work. And when we do that, we start giving glory to ourselves instead of glory to God. And in essence, we take our eyes off God and we begin to sink in the very water that God allowed us to walk on. Or we can do, as I think it's portrayed here with Peter, is that, that we begin walking on that water, realizing that, that God is who he says he is, and he's going to do in us and through us the things that he says he's going to do. But once we move so far, once we've seen so many miracles, we'll start forgetting about the power of God and start remembering the impossible things that we're not supposed to do. And it's at those points in life when we remember the words that Paul wrote. All things old have passed away and behold, all things are new. That we don't have to hold on to those things that gave us fear to start with. Because God is doing a new work, a new creation, in a new and mighty way. And He's using each and every one of us to fulfill His will in His community. So that we experience God in ways that we never have before, or that we reawaken the spirit within inside of us that, that has fallen asleep to remember the great things that God has done for us in the past so that we can live with contentment today and hope knowing that there is a miracle worker walking with us and for us toward tomorrow. we have to cast away fear. Paul wrote to Timothy a message to him and his church. To remind them of this. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind. And he reminds us that throughout our lives that we have to stir up those gifts that God gave us. That we can't just let them sit and stew in the pot. That we, we have to put something in there to, to stir it up, to, to bring out the flavor to bring out the power and to remind us that there is nothing impossible for the God we serve. Jesus said that if we say to that mountain, get up and be moved over to here, that mountain will move. And I believe that's what God says to us. It may not be an, inst an instant response 
It may not be the, the instant gratification. And it may not be an instant fulfillment of hope. But if we cast fear aside, put our feet on the water, and keep our eyes focused on the cross, we can continue to walk forward into the tomorrow that God has planned for us today. So as I close, I ask you to remember this week all the amazing things that, that God has done in your life. All the ways that he protected you before you became his child. That experience that you had when, when you hear it, heard the Spirit call to come home and you received Christ as your Savior. To all the health problems that he was with you with to all the financial issues that, that you overcame because of his mercies, to the miracles of healing and love, and looking to tomorrow, casting out fear with the confidence of knowing that what God has done in the past and tomorrow. Let us pray. Father God, we close our service today and ask that you be with us as we move forward in life and in whatever realm that we're in, whether in our church life or our personal life, and help us to look out into the world, Father God, and recognize danger, but not live in fear, but live in the power of hope and in the power of love and with the ability of sound mind to love, to overcome, to hope and dream, and to love those that are around us. Father God, as you move forward in our lives, push us forward to the fulfillment of your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. power of God and the Holy Spirit, Father, bless each and every person gathered here today and take us out into the world, Father God, to be a light to those who are lost. In Christ's name, amen.